In this podcast, Grandmaster Julie Scott presents some cultural perspectives regarding sacred space and invites us to consider our sacred spaces. If you are able to do so, wherever you are now, relax and begin to focus your attention inwardly. Think about a place that actually exists in the physical world that you consider sacred. Now, in your mind, go to that place. Be very aware of this sacred space. Is it set off from the rest of the world? If so, how? What is required to enter your space? Is there a threshold? Who is allowed to enter? Women, men, animals? How was your sacred space created? By human interaction or vibration? By God's touch? Do you speak in a normal voice in your sacred space? Do you speak more quietly than usual? Is silence observed? Does it affect your space to speak about it? What is the feel of your sacred space? Does it have a masculine or feminine feeling? Neither or both. Humans, and perhaps others, have experienced sacred space for millennia. In the book of Exodus in the Bible, God said to Moses, Do not come closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. End quote. Ancient Egyptian temples included spaces that became so increasingly sacred up to the Holy of Holies that only those who had been prepared to withstand the intense vibrations of the place were allowed to enter. Celts, Australian Aboriginal tribes, Native Americans, Africans, and most other cultures have observed some sort of space set apart from the profane. According to the Lewis and Short Latin Dictionary, the word sacred comes from the Latin root word soccer which means dedicated or consecrated to a divinity, holy or sacred. Space is defined as the unlimited or indefinitely great three-dimensional expanse in which all material objects are located and all events occur, the portion of this in a given instance. Early in the Rosicrucian lessons, a fourth dimension is added to this definition of space. That is, a vibratory nature. According to religion historian Mercia Iliada, sacred space in ancient mythology made possible the founding of the world, a starting point where the world comes into existence. It also provided a break between planes, 
opening up communication between earth and heaven, between humans and the divine. This space was represented in many ways. A starting point allowed orientation, a center out of chaos from which we may begin. Often a pole symbolized this fixed point. Sometimes it was a building or altar erected at the location of a significant event. The belief systems of the Celts, Saxons, Romans, and ancient Indians all included a pole that was the axis around which their territory was created and became inhabitable. The pole marked the starting point of their world. This belief is not unlike those of the conquistadors who came later. They considered land unoccupied by their people as unoccupied land, period. In founding a world out of chaos, these conquerors consecrated the land by raising a cross and then created their world around it. Their enemies still belonged to the shapeless disorder that had not yet been Christianized. Iliada believed this need to have a starting point was based on people's fear of non-being. He wrote, quote, Where the sacred manifests itself in space, the real unveils itself. The world comes into existence. Only there does man have real existence. End quote. A starting point equals orientation, which equals structure which equals existence. Otherwise, a person would just be an amorphous non-being. This thought raises the question of what effect the desacralization of our modern world has had on our ontology, our beliefs about who and what we are. Ancient sacred spaces often symbolically recreated the world by reenacting the original creation or by copying an archetypal model. Navajo hogans, their homes and ceremonial places, still symbolize the recreation of the universe. The roof is the sky, the floor is Mother Earth, the four poles of the framework are the four directions, and the walls are the mountains that support the sky. Egyptian temples were often based on celestial models, and some correlated to the body as well. As above, so below. The Torah suggests that the plans for the Jewish tabernacle were revealed by Yahweh to the people of Israel to be reproduced on earth. In Exodus it is written, quote, Exactly as I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishings, so shall you make it. End quote. Fire symbolized the recreation of the world in some ancient sacred spaces and also served as an opening for communication between planes, between humans and the gods. A Vedic ritual for taking possession of a territory symbolically recreated the world by erecting a sacred fire altar to the fire god Agni. Agni is the mouth of the gods and the messenger between the human and divine orders. In ancient Persia, a sacred flame burned continuously in the temples, representing a manifestation of the Zoroastrian god resident on earth. 
It was tended by young girls who watched over the flame, day and night. The same was true in the Greek cult devoted to Hestia, and in the Roman culture, young priestesses, known as Vestals, guarded the flame of the deity Vesta. Other sacred spaces were chosen because they lay in a particular relation to the sun. Some temples and holy places are aligned so the sun directly illuminates the Holy of Holies, or a central altar, on the summer solstice, or on other days of the year that were auspicious for the ruler of the area, such as the day of his coronation or birth. In what is now Ireland, at a place called Newgrange, there is a human-made mound of earth that was built over 5,000 years ago, with a passageway that leads to a central chamber. The entrance to this passageway is angled, so that direct sunlight illuminates the innermost place of this mound on one day of the year, only at sunrise on the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. Geology, geomancy, or ley lines may determine the location of a sacred space. Druids often worshipped in areas that contained both limestone and granite, including Stonehenge, where the giant granite stone circles rest on limestone. 3,000 years ago, the Druids discovered the site on which Chartres Cathedral in France now stands and made it a place of worship. Chartres is on a granite outcropping that cuts through a limestone plain. Some sacred spaces were associated with nature spirits. The locations were not random and often concentrated around certain types of trees, waterfalls, springs, rivers, or mountains. The spirits associated with these places had names in classical mythology, like naiads, or water spirits, oreads, mountain spirits, and dryads, the spirits of trees. Archaeologist T.C. Lethbridge proposed that these were not conscious entities or spirits as much as kinds of fields. Feng Shui is based on the belief that in every place there are topographical features that indicate or modify the patterns of energy flow and that it is desirable to align human activities with these patterns. Many cultures value mountains as sacred connections to heaven or the sky because they are closest to it. Mount Fuji is venerated by Shintoists and Buddhists. Mount Kailash is considered the physical embodiment of Mount Meru, the center of the universe or the axis of the world in Hindu scripture. This mountain is so revered in four religions that mountain climbers do not attempt to climb it. Muhammad first heard the voice of the angel Gabriel in the cave on Mount Hira outside Mecca. Native Americans of the Pacific Northwest still refer to Mount Rainier as Tahoma, the mountain that was God. Temples, especially in the east, are often built to resemble mountains. What has become of these sacred spaces over time? Some of them were assimilated into new belief systems. As invading groups began conquering more peaceful agricultural societies, their feminine, peaceful traditions 
were sometimes assimilated into the belief system of the conquering group. Biologist Rupert Sheldrake writes, quote, When the Jewish people entered the Promised Land as pastoralist warriors, it was already inhabited by Canaanites, Philistines, and other peoples. As they settled there and adopted an agricultural way of life, local agricultural festivals were assimilated into their religion, as were many of the ancient places of power, such as holy wells, for example at Beersheba mentioned in Genesis, and sacred oak and terebinth trees. For many generations they worshipped at the old high places and groves sacred to the Queen of Heaven. End quote. More often, however, they were replaced by the aggressive masculine traditions of the conquerors. The Jewish prophets rejected the indigenous traditions and were committed to worshiping one God in one temple. Eventually, King Hezekiah, quote, removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the serpent that Moses had made, end quote. King Josiah took even more violent action. Quote, he slew all the priests of the high places who burned incense upon the altars and burned men's bones upon them. End quote. He even demolished the altar and high place at Bethel, the site of Jacob's dream of the latter, burned it, and then ground it to dust. When the early Roman church moved northward into Europe, Many local sacred spaces and festivals were assimilated into the new religion, including the four great solar festivals. This was not always the attitude, however, as the Crusades would later prove. Protestants, through several Reformation movements, sought to rid Christianity of what they perceived as the corruptions and abuses of the Roman Church. John Calvin protested, quote, Nuns came in the place of Vestal Virgins, the Church of All Saints, to succeed the Pantheon. End quote. Protestants abhorred these assimilations and with great vehemence set out to rectify them. The purpose of this podcast is to shed some light on our personal beliefs about sacred space and to compare those beliefs with how other people in other times have regarded the same. Think again of your sacred place. Are there any similarities between your beliefs and some of those discussed here? Are there cultural differences? Does your sacred space provide a starting point for the world where the real reveals itself? Does it provide a passageway through which you are able to communicate with another plane or with the God of your heart? What do the Rosicrucian teachings suggest regarding sacred space? Who is allowed to enter? What is required to enter? Do our thoughts and actions affect this space? 
May our Rosicrucian sacred spaces around the world ever be sources of light, life, love, and peace profound.